Welcome and thank you for worshiping with us today. My name is George Hinman. How do you feel uh, one hour younger after the time change? I'm sure you look great. Yeah, it's so good to be with you. Um, we're, we're always so happy to know that you're worshiping with us. So if you wouldn't mind each week taking a moment to fill out the Connect card and uh, let us know who's with you as well. Well, if you're new, a special welcome to you. We're in this series called Unfollow. There are three things the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 that we need to unfollow, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Put those behind us as we follow Jesus Christ. Today we're focusing on unfollowing the flesh. And I really want to zoom in on the phrase in the text that we just read, led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. If you've been with us for a while, you know we keep looping back to this passage uh, in Galatians chapter 5, and I, I think it's so important, obviously, but it, it's, there's something I'm trying to work out uh, around this passage, and I think it has to do with this particular phrase, led by the Spirit. There's just an invitation here, and I think, wow, what does that mean? What, the, the, the possibility, the promise, the readiness the eagerness of the Holy Spirit to lead me, to lead you, and to lead us. We'll reflect on that a little bit today. I like the way Wes Hill reminded us that we're people of the good news. If you didn't catch Talk Back Tuesday this past week, please um, get, get yourself over to Talk Back Tuesday. Great conversation with Dr. Wes Hill. But you know, we're people of the good news, the, the, the news that God became a man named Jesus that he died on the cross for our sins. Then on the third day, he rose from the dead and he's Lord of all. And that he sent his Holy Spirit to be among us and even to lead us, led by the Spirit. It's really a question of agency. Who is leading your life? Who's leading? When I was in... Um, grad school, I worked for a while at Mass General Hospital doing chaplaincy work there. It was part of my pastoral training. One of the things we did was we put together these verbatims, written conversations of the interactions we had with patients. We would then reflect on our emotions and kind of the dynamic that was there in them and in us. And one day I got one of these back from my supervisor and she had written in the margin in red ink, do you believe in God? <laughs> At first, I was insulted. I mean, I'm in grad school. I've been for studying theology for four years at that point. I've been in ministry with students for 10 years at that point. And she's asking, do I believe in God? If she's asking a faith question, absolutely. But if she's asking the question, am I living with the daily, immediate, and personal reality, the wonderful good news that I can be led by the Holy Spirit, then you got me, because I, I was not. Now, there's a difference between good theology and being led by the Spirit, isn't there? One's in your head, the other's an, ex an interpersonal experience with a living being. She wasn't asking, you know, uh, what do I believe? She was not asking a what question at all. She was asking really more of a who question. Who's leading your life? So I think she's asking about agency. Remember, the brother of Jesus, James, in chapter 2, verse 19, he says, 
good theology. Even the demons believe these things. But what they don't do is allow that good news to, to become a reality, a living reality in their life, to lead them in their lives. So what Paul's talking about when he talks about being led by the Spirit, it's not an abstract concept. Uh, it's not a theological belief. It, 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 it's a, a feet on the ground living reality. Look at the language that the apostle uses. St. Paul says, uh, live by the Spirit. And literally the Greek language he uses says, walk by the Spirit. That's verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. And then down in Galatians 5, 25, he says, be guided by the Spirit, which literally means keep in step with the Spirit. He's talking about feet on the ground, moving through life. So you think if St. Paul were reading my verbatim at Mass General Hospital and asking this question of me, he probably would have asked, who's in front, George, in this situation for you? Who's in front of your life? Is it you or is it the Holy Spirit? And what if it was me, but I want it to be the Holy Spirit? What would I do? Well, we learn in this text that the first step to being led is a step backward from myself. The first step to being led by the Spirit is a step backward from myself. The word that Paul uses here is flesh. Did you see that in verse 16? Flesh. Now, what does he mean by that? He's talking about your own agency in your flesh. He takes this word flesh and he personifies it. Notice, this is about agency, because it's acting here, it's personified. Verse 17, this is something in you that desires something, meaning it says to you, you want. There's something inside of you that opposes you, that says, you won't. There's something inside of you that prevents you, that says to you, you can't. And then if you look at verse 18, there's something actually that's working in you, or producing something in you. It drives, meaning it drives your vacation. Uh, your, your, your behavior, your vocation. Someone says, you, know, you can't quit smoking for somebody else. It's true, right? You can't quit smoking for somebody else. Why? Well, because of agency. Uh, agency. They, they have to do it for themselves. You can tell them, you know, it's not good for you. They know that. You can tell them uh, it's too expensive for you. They know that. For them to quit smoking they're going to have to make a decision to do it for themselves. They're going to have to want to do it. And believe me, the day that they quit smoking, there's going to be a real cost to doing it. They have to have the desire to engage the cost and to make the change. It's a question of agency. What Paul seems to be saying here is that there's something inside of you, verse 17, that wants to do what God doesn't want you to do, that wants to do what even if you were to step back and know what's good for you, uh, you wouldn't do that either. It just doesn't want to do that. <laughs> and as a pandemic, I've been asking myself, why is it that I don't want to do what I really do want to do? I mean, wh why do I um, not want the broccoli uh, or the exercise or the virtue? Why is there something in me that goes, nah, you know, I'll take the potato chips, the couch, and some juicy gossip. Well, Paul calls this the flesh. There's something inside of you that prevents you. Notice that. It's a very strong language, verse 17. There's something inside of you that pre prevents you from doing what you want to do. Now, it's, it's not just something that's 
part of you. It's not just something that's inside of you. And here's the bad news. It's actually you. This flesh is you in a fallen state. So here's a little object lesson. This is you as God intended you to be, created you to be clear and pure, reflecting God's goodness, God's character, God's image. Can you see that? Uh, but then this is you as stained by sin, having been born into a world that is in alienation from its creator, you experience the brokenness. And it's not just some little part of you, right? This sin, this alienation from God permeates our whole being. It becomes us in some way. Now, Paul's not talking about bad people here. He's talking about ordinary people. If you look at verses 19 through 20, I think you get a glimpse into the kinds of struggles that the people in Paul's community here in Galatia would have experienced. And there are struggles just like ours. They're struggling with their sexuality. They're struggling with temptations to, towards idolatry. They're struggling towards uh, with strained or broken relationships. They're struggling with reckless behavior. So it, it, it's not just bad people. It's ordinary people who, who are good, but also not so good all the time. And Paul's not talking about our body either when he says flesh. He, he rarely uses the word flesh to speak of our physical body. For Paul, this is a very common word. It's a theme word for him, major theme, this flesh. And what he means by it is agency in captivity, agency that's been compromised. Luther would refer to this as the self curved in upon itself. The NIV translation will oftentimes render this word flesh as sinful nature. And they tell us in a note that the sinful state, what they mean is the sinful state of human beings, often presented as a power in opposition to the spirit. See, that's why Paul, they get that, he personifies it. It's a, this, is, this flesh in me is a power in opposition to the spirit. Fleming Rutledge, in her wonderful book, The Crucifixion, writes that the primary meaning of flesh for Paul is, quote, the entire existence of the human being under the reign of sin. She capitalizes that word S to drive home Paul's sense that it's a power. This is about agency. And you say, well, wait a minute. Didn't God make me the way I am? And the answer is, of course, God made you the way that you are. And that's wonderful. But there's another side to that. We've also been stained by the fall. Every aspect of who we are, our best intentions, the way that we see, the way that we think, the, what we desire, the way that we feel, the way that, that we behave, it's all affected, even the best of us, by this. So we read, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's true. There's nothing more valuable or more beautiful, more sacred than you in all of creation, fearfully and wonderfully made. But we have to also read uh, Psalm 51, in which the same psalmist says, in sin did my mother conceive me. We're, we're bent, distorted, um, by, tainted by our sin, by the sin of our forebears. We're born into a sinful nature. We tend in the culture to kind of want to go one way or the other, even personally, one way or the other, but we can't. You're complicated. And the Bible encourages us to hold both of these things together. Martin Luther 
uh, told a, a fun little story about this text, Galatians 5. He writes this, when I was a monk, I thought I was lost forever whenever I felt an evil emotion, a carnal lust, wrath, hatred, or envy. I tried to quiet my conscience in many ways. You know, you had to do that, you go, shh, shh, shh. But it did not work because the lust would always come back and give me no rest. I told myself, you have permitted this and that, sin, envy, impatience, and the like. You're joining this holy order. He's talking about when he became a monk. You're joining this holy order has been in vain, and all your good works are good for nothing. Have you ever said that to yourself? But he continues, he says, if at that time I had understood this passage, I could have spared myself many a day of self-torment. I would have said to myself, Martin, you will never be without sin, for you have flesh. Despair not, but resist the flesh. He's taking up the realism of the Bible, but not getting lost in the shame of that. This is who I am, and I am who I am in the grace, the unconditional love of God. He's holding those two things together. There's something within me that pulls me from Jesus. And, and so we need to unfollow that in order to follow Jesus. I have to take a step back from myself. That's the first step to, to being led by the Spirit. Now, my next step to being led is a step behind the Holy Spirit. And, and this is the second half. It's much more important than the first. To, to step behind the Holy Spirit you see, Paul, the apostle, gives us this picture in verse 25 where he said, let us also be guided, or remember, keep in step with the Spirit. There's a picture here in the mind of the, those who are reading in the original language, Greek, because the Greeks used to use this word for uh, lining up, soldiers lining up behind a leader. It, it, it suggests uh, being in a series of things, uh, soldiers would line up behind their leader one after the next and be led forward. It, it, it describes um, being directed, uh, yielding control, it, an agency, a different agency in your life, not you, someone else leading you and you following. So here's the good news that you have in you, if, you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have in you Another agent, a greater agent, a better agent in order to lead you. This is an agent within you that wants what God wants. It's a new set of desires. It actually wants what you would want for yourself if you, if you could see yourself untainted by sin. It's the Holy Spirit. So Paul is trying to remind his readers in Galatia that they are people of the good news. That's the way he begins the letter, by the way. If you go back and you look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, you read, Paul starts off this way. He says, Jesus gave his life for our sins. This is the good news. Just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Notice he doesn't say, in order to get us into heaven. I mean, he means that, and he'll say that elsewhere. But what he's saying here is, in order to rescue us from this evil world, there is a rescue operation going on. And he has come among us, and this is the agency of God at work in our life in this world, right here and now. That's the good news. And it's good news for ordinary people struggling with their flesh. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, the flesh has met its match in the Holy Spirit of Jesus. 
for people who struggle with our sexuality, idolatry, strained and broken relationships, reckless behavior. It's for all of us. In Christ, Paul writes in Galatians 3.28, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, no longer male and female, there's no longer black or white, Republican or Democrat, single or married, gay or straight, rich or poor, weak or strong, in or out, just the rescued. We all belong to Christ Jesus. That's who we are. That's the good news. If we want to know how we experience that good news, well, Paul goes on to say that he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is Galatians 4, 6. Now, this is the good news on the ground. This is the good news in our lives as we walk through our lives. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. There's the, the desire, crying, Abba, Father, ah, the cry of recognition. Now I know who I am. The picture that I get in this is a picture of a firefighter. Just imagine a, a dark forest, thick with smoke. And, and I'm in the forest. And I, I can't see anything. I don't really know where I'm going. I'm kind of wandering around trying to get to someplace safe. And it's, it's futile. It's hopeless. But all of a sudden, the clouds part, and there's a, a firefighter. And she says through her respirator, follow me. And you barely make out the words. But I hear that. And she takes my hand and she turns around. And she puts my hand on her shoulder, the tanks. And I just follow her step by step through this. And as we kind of go, she knows the way. As we go through the trees, other people, we find others. And they come and they put their hand on her back or on my back. People start to line up in a row and follow this fire. For some of us, not able to walk, need to be carried, and she picks them up and carries. The rest of us help, and we carry those who can't be carried. This is, this is the image of what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to lead us. Hey, this is it's the Holy Spirit of God's Son, Paul's talking about. The Nicene Creed calls the, the Lord and giver of life. It's the Holy Spirit. And what we do is we step behind him. We step behind the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I'm learning. There is a difference between pursuing something and being led by something. Can you think about this? There's a difference between being, uh, pursuing something and being led by something. I looked it up. The dictionary definition for pursue is to follow in an effort to overtake or capture, to strive, to gain or accomplish. Now, let me ask you, is Paul asking people to pursue something? I mean, you may be familiar with what we call the fruit of the Spirit because there are two lists in this passage. And the first list is the works of the flesh and the second is the fruit of the Spirit. And I think I forever thought that Paul has these two lists in the Bible to tell us which list we should pursue, right? Uh, I realized, wait a minute, that makes no sense. All of Paul's readers want the good list. There's nobody going, you know, I, I want to live in a world with more envy and dissension and, you know, you know, jealousy. No one's saying that. They're like, everybody wants love and joy and peace. But the problem what Paul's saying is you, you won't get there if you pursue it out of your own agency. Your flesh will never get you there. You cannot follow your flesh to that place. That's what he's saying. He's not talking about which list is right. He's talking about how you get to the list that everybody wants to get to. And the answer is you, you got to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need his agency in your heart to take you, to carry you, step by step. Now, that doesn't mean 
it's easy. It doesn't mean it's sudden. Please don't misunderstand. It doesn't mean it's anything different from what the Bible tells us. In fact, Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the Bible, not to abolish God's word. Uh, we read in Jeremiah that when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll write the law on our hearts. He'll make us want to obey what's in this book. Uh, but it is the Holy Spirit's agency who makes it happen, and we need to, to get behind that spirit and allow him to do his work. Let me give you an example in my life. When I was a college student, I was dating this uh, young woman, and <laughs> Uh, I was a new follower of Jesus, just a new believer. And I remember coming to my small group leader one day and had my Bible in hand and I, and I had done some kind of a search. And I said to him, you know, the Bible doesn't say uh, I can't have sex with my girlfriend. I've looked and it's not, it's not there. And my small group leader very graciously, he took my Bible out of my hand. He turned over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, and he read to me, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from fornication. And I said, so, see? And he said, well, George, uh, do you know what the word fornication means? And I said, no, but I know I don't do it. Sounds nasty. And he said, well, it, it just means sex outside of marriage. Oh. <laughs> now, that was a problem for me because at that point, my house was on fire. Not with literal fire, but with hormones. And I was in this relationship. Actually, two relationships because I had this new relationship with Jesus. And he was turning my life around. And as I took a step back from myself and my desires, and a step behind the Holy Spirit, I began to, to see a change. I, I, not a sudden change, but a change towards faithfulness to God's word. Because in the Holy Spirit, I had one in my heart who gave me an intimacy that was much greater than any intimacy I experienced in sexuality. It's a spiritual intimacy with God. It began to sustain me, and it began to transform me. It began to make me want something more, something holy in my life, something very different. Here's the promise of the good news. This is really what I'm trying to say to you today. What you cannot do with your spirit, God can do in you and through you with his spirit. What you cannot do, would never be able to do with your spirit, God can do in you and through you with his Holy Spirit. Step back from yourself in order to step behind the Holy Spirit. Gary Castor is this uh, Franciscan priest, and he tells this great story one day about when his sister called him out of the blue. She calls him on the phone, and it turns out all of a sudden she wants to have a spiritual life. He says, after years of caring nothing for the church, how can I have a spiritual life? And he says, well, here's what I'd like you to do. For the next 10 days, every morning when you wake up, first thing, I'd like you to say, good morning, Jesus. Say it out loud. This is something he had learned from Mother Teresa 30 years ago. First thing in the morning, before you check the news, before you get out of bed, get any exercise, get shower, whatever you do, before you do any of that, just say, good morning, Jesus. So he says, I, I, I asked her to do this every day for 10 days. So on the second day, my sister calls me, and I don't take the call. On the third day, she calls again, and I don't take the call. So she gives up trying. But on the 10th day, she calls, and I take the call. And here's what she says to me. She says, I had no idea that something so simple as that could make such a big difference in my life. Why? Well, what he was... 
helping her discover is that she has a primary relationship in Jesus. It's a primary relationship. So before engaging anyone else or anything else, engage with that primary relationship. What he's really doing is teaching her how to get behind the Holy Spirit and to then follow. It changes the day, doesn't it? When you live out of that primary relationship, the spiritual life throughout the day as the Holy Spirit fills and empowers and leads. You know, um, we are going to regather soon as a church. I'm excited to tell you that. I don't know when it's going to happen. Sometime this spring, sometime this summer. I don't exactly know how, but it's coming, and it's coming soon. Now, a lot of you ask me, when are we going back? And I have an easy answer to that question. It's never. We are never going back. That's not who we are at UPC. We're on an adventure with Jesus. We'll regather, but we're going to go forward because we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Things are changing in our lives. We're going to be a new people when we gather. The, the passage that's been coming back to my mind, and I trust that the Spirit's been bringing it to me over and over again this, this year, has been Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, the Lord says to Israel in exile, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do a new thing. And that, that's true for us. When we get back together, things are going to look different. We're going to do things different. That's okay. Because God's doing a new thing. We follow a God who leads us. I mean, they say you can never step into the same river twice, and that's true as well. But Jesus is leading us. And he's doing a new thing in our lives, in our church, in our neighbors' lives. And the best thing that you and I can do to get ready is to engage with him. It's to step back from ourselves and step behind the Holy Spirit. It's to do the work of renewal, spiritual renewal. I, I'm so thankful for this movement of prayer that's swelling up at UPC. Those of us who are gathering on Wednesday morning early to pray, we have people praying right now for you in this service as we worship. Let's pray for revival together. That's what we need in order to go forward and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this letter, Paul's letter to the Galatians, it's, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to you. You know, if you want to be led by the Spirit, you don't have to beg God or plead God. God right now is on the edge of his seat. The Holy Spirit's already in front of us. Remember how Jesus says, I go before you. He's going before you. He's looking back at you going, are you ready to go? Are you ready for an adventure? He's urging us, let me lead. Remember the promise. Paul says, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, into your heart. You know, Paul elsewhere says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you've said yes to Jesus, you have all of the Holy Spirit. The only question is, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Brothers and sisters, do you believe in God? Let's pray. Oh God, we, you catch us this morning in a moment of weakness. We feel so vulnerable. There is in our midst the heaviness about this pandemic. It's kind of about the state of the whole world. We feel it even when we're not thinking about it. It's in us. Particularly, it's just so hard for those who have not yet been able to get a vaccine, for parents of young children, 
people without work, just a hard time, our hearts are heavy. We're a little bit lost in the smoke and the cloud and the darkness of this season. So we cry out to you, help us in our unbelief. Let the smoke clear. Let us sense your presence in the Holy Spirit. Teach us how to be led by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. We pray that you'll open us up to the new thing that you wanna do in our lives individually, in our families, in our church together corporately, and as we move out to bless our neighbors in their lives as well. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and for his sake, amen.